We're slovenly, we're feelingy, we're really kind of dumb. We're Terry, Shar, and Lissa, all here to have some fun. So guard your holes, let's make some rolls, and talk some D&D with the cave troll. Everyone takes advantage of a first-time DM, and I say everybody, I mean, my shitty friends do, so I, I, I'm going to assume that everyone too, does. Yeah. Exactly. I remember my first time, my buddy Dave, you, who you two have met, that he's uh, hosted on the podcast and stuff for the listeners, um, he was like, I'm really new, guys, take it easy, and he had me and our buddy John. We both have been GMs now for like a decade. And mm-hmm. he made the mistake of making us, like, play out travel time. Like, not in real time, obviously, but he's like, this boat's going to take three days to get there. And I said, hey, buddy, maybe if you don't have anything planned for the boat ride, then we should just skip to when we get to our destination. And he kind of doubled down, got a little defensive. I was like, that's fine. Um, and then I got petty, and I was like, well, listen, then, uh, if he's going to make us play this boat ride, we're going to – we're gonna and then john looked at me in the eyes he said we're gonna take over this boat right now i go oh yeah of course so by the time <laughs> mutiny. exactly by the time dave had come back from the bathroom uh we had plans and we did successfully take over the boat leave the captain on an island with a uh gun with a single bullet um with lots of rum you know pirates of the caribbean style and uh when we arrived Amazing. in the new world as it were we were pirate captains pirate is a strong word i would say privateers um and we had an entire shipping lane and i that campaign didn't go much further than that because i think we ruined what they were doing which is cruel and you should try to work with your gm but everybody makes mistakes right yeah yeah you yeah yeah uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh as somebody as a dm who also struggles with travel time that just gave me hives (laughs) It, listen, it's hard because you're like, well, I kind of planned on them like doing this. And in the moment, if you're new, it's like, I don't know how to pivot necessarily from, from the plan. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if you don't have a plan for, for travel time, if you don't want to do random encounters, if you don't have a table, just fucking skip it. Hit the yeah. skip button. There's... Let it be fast travel. Yeah, there's literally no reason, like, if you have no idea how to fill in the gaps of just like, I my care, my players are right here. And I need to get them to the other side of the continent, but I don't really have any ideas of how to, like, fill in the time in between. Just skip. But if you have ideas to fill in the time and you know you want them to encounter things along the way, then do that. I mean, I started doing this before I even realized it was a thing, but I always gave uh, my characters a hobby because I have always some sort of obsession going on. So I was like, that just makes sense that my character would have some sort of obsessive hobby that they would be doing. And I mean... I recently saw a tweet on this and they were like, yeah, so like give your character a hobby and when you have downtime, they can be doing that hobby. And then, you know, that's like a a character kind of thing point that you can then bring up with other characters where they're like, oh, you knit? Like, and then (laughs) a discussion point. (laughs) Give me like, if if all else fails, like you can say like travel's going smoothly or whatever and then just tell the players, be in character, I got to work on something. You know, just yeah. even if you don't have something to work on, yeah. just watch them be in character and talk to each other. At least yeah. in my my at my table, and in my opinion, that's one of our favorite mm-hmm. things to do is sometimes just chill in character because our normal lives are on fire. And then it might, and then it might end up with uh, your DM uh, fucking you over by giving you cursed knitting needles that wasn't me towards the end of the campaign. I know that would that wasn't me. I know I want to clear it up for the audience because they know that I DM you, but that was not me. <laughs> this time. That wasn't you this, this time. time. 
I oh. gave you other cursed things like a sword, but listen, it wasn't hitting me. <laughs> Who hasn't gotten a cursed sword or a cursed you. needle here and there? Speaking exactly. of cursed swords and cursed needles here and there, this is the Cave Trolls Podcast, the only internet TTRPG D&D news podcast on, on the internet, right? I, that that sentence yeah. makes sense. Totally, the only one, absolutely, one hundred percent of the time. One hundred percent. Fact checked by the slovenly Yeah, the slovenly trolls are here. Like they would fact check me. They would tell me I'm wrong. So if you're listening to another D and D news show, you're wrong. Um, and so are yep. they. Cease and desist, please. Um, <laughs> we have a lawyer. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we will be coming. For you. We're very litigious in that on that point. Okay, if you're calling yourself a D and D news show, stop it. Like knock it off. I'll stop have my it. dad Get beat up help. your dad. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am your faithful host, Terry Smith. With me, as always, is one half of the Slovenly Trolls, Charday. Hello. Yes. Hi. The best half. Yes. Hello. Uh, and the better half of the Slovenly Trolls, Lissa. Rude. Hello. Yes, it's me, the actual host of the Slovenly Trolls. <laughs> Can't even smell the host. I was going to say pronounce it, and maybe you can have that title. <laughs> if you like that little preamble before the show, you can find stuff like that, bonus content, early content over on our Patreon, patreon.com slash creations, where you get this podcast, lots of other podcasts, early and bonus shows. It's a wonderful place. You get our lore rewrites that Char does every month on different monsters and gods and goddesses and weapons probably eventually things that suck before shari writes them and makes them way less problematic i wouldn't say completely unproblematic because humans are problems but um mm -hmm. socially they're much less problematic when shari writes them um but we can't erase the existence of humans so until we can delete us there's still going to be some issues there um but yeah you can support us over there on patreon sorry that got so existential um, if you want to head over to campykillcreations.com, you can find all of that stuff, but you don't have to pay for any of it. It's all over there for free eventually. And finally, if you want to find us on Twitter, you can find us at Cave Trolls Pod. Yes. Yeah, nailed it. And if you want to email us, you can email us at campykillcreations at gmail.com. And with all of the preamble and all of the rigmarole out of the way, let's talk about the news. First up, bits and bobs. Let's talk about the games and supplements that are coming out soon. First up is Coyote and Crow. It's got another thing coming out, but it's not an actually RPG. It's not another supplement. It is a novel. Hemlock and Sage has been announced. It actually came out yesterday from when we were recording it, November 16th. The first novel in their coyote and crow universe what does this do what does this do for you two do you guys excited about this novel i'm excited just to see the brand expand basically yeah i was gonna say i'm excited to see them expand for sure like they found some like huge success obviously they're filling a niche of of all sorts of players that felt underrepresented in TTRPG space so they're getting that but also it's a really good game and I've had a lot of my friends who are like hey like have you heard about this thing that don't normally come to me about new games so it's actually proliferating in that way Ooh. I don't know if they're gonna check out the novel I don't know like how far they're going there but the fact that people like un unannounced are like hey have you heard of Coyote and Crow is really neat when normally they're like hey I'm playing Pathfinder yeah mm -hmm. that's awesome i think i think it's a good idea because it might expand their audience as well if somebody picks up the novel and then realizes mm. oh it's also part of a game so you're kind of sort of what um i think Dragonlance did to D &D. Say, it's kind of like 100 yeah. so mm -hmm. yeah, it expands it to different, a different kind of target audience i guess which is the possibility to grow your audience 
100%. And it uh, was written by uh, Tali Inlow. Uh, that's the author of the novel. And um, I, I read the synopsis, but I feel like a lot of it is going to go over the general audience's head if you're not either familiar with it but i'm going to read the first paragraph anyways in moccasing the adenati ceremony is a nearly universal rite of passage into adulthood it binds the recipients to their chosen path animal and in some cases bestows upon them a supernatural gift for most it is a ceremony focused on the single individual surrounded by family and loved ones but naya and uh tusika are not your average citizens of cahokia Best friends with a bond that goes beyond sisterhood, the two young women have chosen to undergo the ceremony together. Um, that's coming right from the back of the novel. Um, it's only 16 bucks. You can get it right on the website. I'll link it below. Um, pretty cheap for a fantasy novel, so I, uh, I'm i going to recommend it even though I haven't read it. If it's awful, I'm sorry. Support it anyways because the game is cool. So at least I can speak to that. Uh, if, you're, if you're going, oh, I don't know if I read novels and stuff, think about how long D&D existed purely for the fact that they sold just as many novels as as they did like games so if you want to keep yeah. the coyote and crow mm -hmm. universe going by the novel i guess <laughs> i guess <laughs> I, I feel I bad telling sounds, people to spend money but like it, it does work i think it sounds rad as hell as much as any of the games you've been pitching to me for the past number of months that, that, that's one of the few like i can pitch on like so many more levels a lot of them is like hey you like sci-fi play a sci-fi game but coyote mm -hmm. and crow like there's way more representation it's a whole setting that we really haven't seen much of represented like represented <laughs> represented in um the ttrpg space and sometimes that comes almost like as tokenism but this is made by people that are represented inside of the game which is something that we advocate for for as much as possible so because of that it just feels way more authentic and way cooler and way more unique in the space versus mm -hmm. like well another white dude made a samurai game you know also um i'm just gonna pitch this here we have a patreon book club now and this is a book <laughs> Ooh, so somebody wants to recommend it so we can read it together. <laughs> One of the things I have that like, I need to cover with you, Week, is uh, we already have our book picked out for next month, right? Um, but we were trying to figure out, obviously, going forward, I think this just needs to go on the list, right? I mean, oh, I was sure. going to add it anyway without asking permission. So, I don't, you're um, the host of that show. I don't think you have to ask permission. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, over on the aforementioned Patreon, if you subscribe at the $3 or above uh, tiers, you get our monthly book club. Uh, the inaugural episode comes out in December, but it's Books and Bitches, and we're covering Slaying the Dragon by Ben Riggs for the first month. Um, and we have a bunch of books lined up, and now apparently I'm being told by our host, um, Hemlock and Sage is on that list. It will oh, happen. Yes. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Moving on, um, we have sci-fi RPG Troika with an exclamation point. That's part of the title. Um, the Troika. reprint incoming. This is really cool. This is like a Terry Pratchett slash... Um, I, I've been told it's not quite on the level of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy um, by some of my friends, but those are the vibes I was getting from it. But it's like a mm -hmm. parody, kind of cheeky sci-fi RPG, D6 system. Um, I've heard really good things. It's it had enough success to get a reprint, which is a really big deal because printing physical games are expensive and, and difficult to do. So its Kickstarter is up right now. Um, the company, I believe, is Melisonia. Is that... It comes from Daniel Sell. Either way, is the is the person who yeah the publisher is Melisonian. Thank Arts you. Con 
Council? Yeah, I, I was going off memory. I couldn't quite remember if that's how you pronounce it or if that's what it was called. Um, but you, I'm pretty sure you can get the book for Mouth 12 soda. bucks. And that's like the physical edition. You, you get the softback for 12 bucks. That's really, really good for a physical edition of a RPG. Mm -hmm. Um, this one, it has a few edits. It's still mostly the original book, but, um, so if you're looking for that Terry Pratchett, you know, turtles all the way down type, uh, vibe, uh, go pick up Troika and you got to yell it because there's an exclamation point in the name. Um, do you two read any Terry Pratchett? You're into that kind of cheeky fantasy vibe. I love Terry Pratchett. Yes. Yes. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, what's your favorite Discworld? Um book not just, I, not I, just pick a world <laughs> yeah what, what do you mean uh, <laughs> i have a feeling i i have a feeling that i would really like more but i haven't actually read more yet um okay but i love the witches i love um, i feel like that's everyone's like first one into it because there's yeah, been so it, many properties created for it yeah i think i think that one was specifically i think that one was targeted more towards a younger maybe audience or it sort of catered to the needs reading needs or interests of the younger audience because me as a teenager i that's the first book that i read um getting Period. into it and then i started like reading because there's this like really complicated web like if you look at how the books all relate to each other there was this like graph that you could look at of how they all relate because it's not just like you read one two three because they're all like interconnected in like re really weird ways. Some of them are like books one, two, three, and you're meant to read them like that. But then some of them are like subtly related to each other with like these thin lines of like these connect and these. Connect. This character so, is from this one. It's very so yeah. it's similar to like the Forgotten Realms books or what I always compared it to, which is how I got into them. Is like it's like comic books, right? So you like yeah. you get this character from the City Watch who pops up in this other book. That's why I yeah. loved them. The City Watch was my thing, like Feet of Clay, shit like that that yeah. was my intro to it and i'm like oh i love this i love this interconnected world but i loved it because it had that hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy or like uh um you know douglas adams in general his vibe mm -hmm. of this is absurd and i'm not gonna explain the rules to you because i don't care um and that's oh, what I i've did, always loved about it i did uh really enjoy carpe jugulum obviously <laughs> obviously as a uh, gothic horror um, right right fan, exactly yeah uh, if you say my niche. Um, what did you you were a slut for gothic horror so that, yes, that makes sense that that horror. one's yes. up there for you uh Char, is this all uh gibberish have you ever read any terry pratchett terry pratchett's been on my list for years it's I so just hard not to... gotten around to it yet i don't know where you would start right like we could you exactly. know we could pick out you know stuff with elves or something that you would be into it's just it's, it's so expansive <laughs> but the cool thing is is like you don't need to read it. It's not like you're not going to understand yeah, what one character was like, up to or something. There is no, yeah. like I said, there, there. like I can give you the graphic if I can find it on the internet, but there is nowhere that you need to start. It's based on your interest because there are different yeah. stories about different is, things. So, Which is honestly kind of revolutionary in terms of like a narrative structure and like a book series structure. Terry yeah, Pratchett is revolutionary on many different levels. Mm -hmm. You are correct. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to send you the graph because one day you should read it. This is not a push. Like I will. I've read things that I like more it's than Terry me. Pratchett, but it is, I've never been disappointed. I've never been like, oh, God, I read that book. Nice. It was a waste of time. 
Um, and I can't say that for most authors. Like, even someone like I really like, like Neil Gaiman, I've been let down by books before. Not necessarily because I think they're bad, just not yeah. for me. And yeah, no, the first book I read by Neil Gaiman, I really didn't like. So, it was it American Gods? My mouth. It was American Gods. Yeah, I don't I like really American Gods either. <laughs> and I feel like it, maybe it's because I'm too I dumb. Hate him so bad. Like maybe I maybe no, it's just no 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 over no no head. no no. I could tell you exactly what's wrong with that book. We don't have time for it. I'll tell you all there. It's not because it is not because you're dumb. It's because it's a bad book. I'm sorry about it. Whoa <laughs> whoa. <laughs> remember, remember, opinions are subjective, audience. So no, when you send book. the death threats, uh, <laughs> just keep in mind that you can still like American Gods, and you are not less than for liking it. Yeah, but the fact that it made you feel like, well, maybe I'm just dumb for not getting it makes me mad because you're not dumb. Thank you. I, I mean, really appreciate that. And I'm going to cry when this yeah. is done. Um, but <laughs> it's I think it's the psychedelic stuff. Time. I've never been I've never really been into that. I'm boring. I don't like doing a lot of drugs. I've done drugs. I don't do a lot of them. <laughs> I don't do a lot. <laughs> like, I'm not a square, okay? Like, <laughs> like I get fucked up Lucy, sometimes. I'm cool. I'm not a regular dad. I'm a cool dad. Listen, fellow kids, I I too have done drugs. Um, <laughs> but the psychedelic stuff has never been quite for me. So that goes over my head. But Terry Pratchett's never, never steered me wrong. Um, they're kind of like comfort food. Like, uh, if I'm having a downtime when it comes to figuring out what I'm going to read next or something, I it's one of the yeah. few book series, again, series, light word, that I'll go back to. I don't reread many mm -hmm. things, but I will reread a Terry Pratchett because they're just fun. Similar to Douglas they Adams, I keep referencing, mm -hmm. like, I reread Dirk Gently all the time because it's so light and it's just like, this is basically just jokes, right? And then every oh, once yeah. in a while, very Brennan Lee Mulligan, it'll get serious without you noticing it's reached a serious point. And you'll give a shit when somebody dies or gets hurt or something. Mm -hmm. wow. I think we need to get you a jar. And every time you mention Brendan Lee Mulligan, you put a penny in the jar. I, I yeah. don't think that he would be comfortable if we, if we saw how many times he gets mentioned. I mean, also, I mean, listen, if we get you a Brendan Lee Mulligan jar, we have to get me a Matt Mercer jar. It's only fair. Also, the jar's not going to work. Fair. I need, like, one of those comical, like, whiskey jugs from, like, the American <laughs> South. <laughs> <laughs> like possibly like like a water cooler like type jug like uh i was gonna say my parents work. have one of those it's one of those huge jugs and they just have a bunch of pennies for literally <laughs> no reason in this jug and i'm like was this a swear jug at some point like why is this here? so quick right in the feels plug like when you talk about like going back in time like the 90s experience for us is the fact that our parents thought they could get us to disneyland by putting their change in a jar they're like this, that's our that's our vacation fun and like that's not my just my experience that's many people's experience yeah yeah 100 percent. and i'm just gonna tell you even if you've been to disneyland it wasn't because of that jar let's be honest <laughs> that jar wasn't getting anyone anywhere no it was just a symbol and like for, listen in know. this economy with inflation i don't think so <laughs> um <laughs> moving on from troika uh the next up is another solo rpg and this one is hellbent and letting adhd players get their rpg out on the toilet my brain is a stick of butter is a solo rpg all about adhd Same. um <laughs> like we can all relate to this one right? <laughs> we can all relate to that <laughs> <laughs> um so it sees players attempting to complete various everyday tasks in a way that takes inspiration from the author's own personal experiences with adhd or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder designed to be played by a single person the trpg is a journaling game meaning that players primarily interact with the game through a journal and a notebook in which they write their various responses choices and thoughts this is a new genre that we now mention every single week like there's always something coming out 
um, from this book, uh, or from this genre, rather. Um, uh, this comes from Alex Mian over at Dicebreaker is where I found it. Um, I have the Kickstarter linked below, but you can pick this up for 10 bucks, uh, which is really good for any RPG, let alone one where you can occupy all your time without having to have friends, which is super helpful. It's super helpful because I don't have friends. Right. Um, I think you can yeah. get the physical mm. version for 20 bucks, which is still very fair. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, actually, the digital version is even cheaper. It's it, it's $8. It's not $10. It's $8, Ooh. which I highly recommend. I'm not going to get into too much of what it does with the ADHD. It's a lot of, like, when you think of the way it's printed, the way it has you focus on tasks. Um, it's, it's hard to explain, especially if you don't have ADHD, if you, if you're like, I don't understand what this does. Um, if you go look into it, the way that it uses the deck of cards, like most solo RPGs is kind of, uh, inspired in the layout, I would say really helps, uh, keep you focused and engaged with turning the page and coming back to it every day. Um, they have a few mechanics for that, which is difficult to do. Even if you don't have ADHD, like trying to keep a journal, is more difficult than you'd think. Chronicle Connection Plus is a cool dating sim um, solo RPG. It kind of does a good job of recreating those um, anime dating sims that you see pop up on Steam all the time. Um, the really cool thing about it is it has an endpoint. So after 24 dates, you pick your suitor. Um, and it's really helpful when it comes to these nebulous RPGs of, well, when do I stop? When do I get together with my friends kind of thing? You don't have that with a solo RPG. This one is after 24 dates yours your end date so it helps with replayability and keeping you on track so that's why i recommend it plus it's really cheap i think 12 bucks will get you a print copy so it's about on par with um an actual dating sim on steam (laughs) exactly if not even cheaper sometimes like some of those i'm like why is this 45 dollars (laughs) uh the graphics terry obviously the graphic they tighten up the graphics on level three and there's just so many waifus in the dlc pack so um Uh, again i'm not trying to pass judgment it's just not exactly what we pick up when it comes to gaming although um dream daddy is my go-to i like that one and the kfc oh. dating sim those are the two that i've played a lot of um and mm-hmm. had a full boyfriend but that one is about birds so i have heard of all of those and my friend walked me through one playthrough of dream daddy so dream Daddy's a lot of fun very inspired um it's just a good time i played it to talk to some of my friends who were really into it at the time and then i ended up having a really good time with it but if i had to pick a favorite it'd be hotful boyfriend because that game is fucking wild um it goes to so many (laughs) strange places i mean no sure dating birds is the least wild thing about that game that's where that's why i was like this is a mind fuck it's a game changer (laughs) and i can't tell you anything about it because it would spoil it but go play hotful boyfriend i promise you won't be disappointed oh jeez like it's so yeah, weird man. it's so weird. like and don't play one playthrough play five they the playthrough takes like an hmm. hour like you can go through that game like several times and it's a new game every time it kind of reminds me of uh near automata if you two have ever played any of those i haven't but i've heard of them so like i've not heard of this you'll beat the game or so it says you beat the game and you go back through and the, the second playthrough really isn't another playthrough you do do some of the same things but really it's like another campaign like it's a different mm-hmm. story so it like if you get ending b it's really like you just saw more of the game it's not like a second time through and that's what uh. hotful boyfriend kind of is if i have to spoil a little bit is like the game changes every time you beat it mm-hmm. so 
Anyways, we don't need to talk more about Audible Boyfriend. Go check out Chronicle mm. Connection Plus. <laughs> um, finally, um, when it comes to other things to plug, we have our other segment, Bardic Inspiration. This is where we talk about the entertainment news that relates to D&D and TTRPGs. Um, we only have one item on this list. It is Welcome to Wildmount, a second Critical Role album. The first one had lots of... Uh, lots of... What's the shenanigans of the Vox Machina crew, I guess you would say. Um, so it had full tracks and, and people singing songs. And this is more of a soundtrack album, and it uh, relates to the Mighty Nine. Shar, can you give us a little bit of background on uh, on this album? I don't know how much you I looked can. into it. No, I can. I figured um, you did. First, I, I added it. I, I was mean... like, Shar will be able to talk about uh, well, well, so it, it is similar to the first one. So the first one doesn't have anybody singing in it either. That's Oh, like it doesn't? The... Oh, I'm incorrect. No. I apologize. No. So the I first thought it was one, Scanlan like are... a bound. No, no, no. That's like the um, the soundtrack for like the animated series. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. On there, but these two are basically just campaign ambient sounds. So if you're oh, a DM who really yeah, loves yeah, yeah. having ambient background noise, which I know Terry and I really do, um, I always feel like it adds so much. Like, I know you usually do more stuff with like um, lyrics and stuff to like amp up the vibe, but like I'm way more of just like an ambient like usually no singing unless it's like specific moments ha type of thing mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. this stuff is really up my alley and i i spent hours making like campaign playlists to the point where like my first campaign that i ever did has playlists that are like hours and then i'm like oh i'm not gonna read but i'm not gonna reuse these for my second campaign because my second campaign has a different vibe so i have to build <laughs> new playlists to build a different vibe well, I'm, I'm super excited for that because we're starting a new campaign soon and that's actually how i do most of my campaigns but you yeah. you were a part of uh like there's like almost pop culture yeah like clueless vibe one so i did do mostly music mm -hmm. that's like licensed music i guess you would call it right like you yeah. know, had lyrics and pop songs yeah and stuff. yeah but normally what i do is soundtrack based so Same. i added both yeah, of these to my spotify playlists um mm -hmm. uh i'm gonna use that so i'm excited just because when it comes even though i'm not like a critter i don't watch a lot of critical role one thing that i've always appreciated about it is the i guess not just vibes but the production value that they bring to D, &D mm -hmm. is really cool and i think and it's always the detriment right of other people's <laughs> games are like it's not going to be as cool as critical role <laughs> well i mean it, it's been that way since the beginning too mm -hmm. which some people might not know like i remember the first because i've been watching it since like 2016 not quite 2015 but 2016 and like since episode one when they were still getting their footing figuring out what critical role was matt mercer always had music going so it's not if you're surprised that they're releasing something like this you shouldn't be because music has always been the backbone and matt mercer is the reason why well, I, I mean i already had a playlist problem just in general but like i super took inspiration from what he did and like different music for different like there's battle music and there's atmospheric and there's different for day and night and there's different for creepy and tense and like all these different kinds of playlists so if you're a dm who really likes utilizing tools like that you don't even really need to be a fan of critical role in order to appreciate this because i mean it's more music what's if you like music in your campaigns what's not to love it it's ambient it's not it, it's it's nice i like i'm so excited to use it. i haven't listened to it yet but i'm gonna listen through it probably in the next couple of days and 
add some stuff to my playlists on it for sure and there's something i don't know it could just because we live in a capitalistic society but there's something cool about finding the items that are made just for the thing like i i feel like a lot of like sports fans are feeling like you buy the sports paraphernalia you you don't play the sport but it's like no i bought my my pistons jersey i bought my tigers mug you know what i mean and having more items that you can purchase to go around the table i feel like that's a thing that we do when we play it's like oh i bought i let me show off this new dice i got this bag that i keep just my pencils in for dnd like (laughs) we have so many little things like that so having a list that is specifically made for dnd music is just kind of mm-hmm. neat like we have lots that's of instrumental great. music but having music that specifically it's like no this was made by dnd for dnd kind of thing yeah there's there's one i think there's like one or two albums at least available on spotify that are made for or maybe a couple because i know there's one i think by it's a band it's a i don't know if it's a band technically but like from somebody called midnight syndicate and yep. matt mercer used to use a lot of their music and it's available on spotify and then i think there is also pathfinder music like released by pathfinder paizo has several albums that they've produced or at least licensed um for their stuff um there's a lot of artists that do it yeah exactly but having a big name like uh uh like critical role producing albums is really cool plus you know it's like no they think it's good enough that they feature it on their show you know so um there's Mm -hmm. that like path of quality kind of thing so Overall, just neat. No no other news for Bardic Inspiration. Nothing new on the movies. Nothing new on comic books or anything like that. Uh, so go check out Wild Mount. I got a link there um, in the description below. And finally, we have the Village Crier. This is where we cover all of, like the general news, the big news topics, the stuff that's going to make us yell at each other. Um, and this week, they have Dungeons & Dragons implements new cultural review following Spelljammer's racist inclusions. This comes from Dicebreaker. Let me bring up the article real quick. Um, Chase Carter over at Dicebreaker. Um, cultural consultants will be offered more active and involved roles throughout the development timelines. Now, before I read any further, I will just say... Uh, this should have happened a long time ago. <laughs> long time they ago. said it happened yeah. a long time ago. This is not the first time they were like, well, don't worry. We're talking to people of color about what we can do to make the game less shitty and less racist. Um, and now they're saying, hey, guys, we're going to talk to people of color and try to make this game less racist. Um, <laughs> so I don't have a lot of faith in it except for the fact that this last one was a big deal beyond just tabletop players. Um, so, like, more people were mad than just people who play the game, as they should be, right? It was offensive uh, and, and racist. So it's good that they're taking steps, but it's a little too little too late, in my opinion. We're like, why weren't these steps taken? Almost every product has a cultural consultant on it. Yeah, and, like, they have the resources to do that. And they've had the resources. They've had more yeah. than the resources. Yeah. You can't. It's, you can't retroactively. The, the best time it. to implement this was like yesterday, last month, last year. Yeah. Before any of this happened, but I mean, the next best time is to implement it now. now I guess right. it's better it than. I hate to say it, but like it's better than nothing. But honestly, it is. They could it have is. legitimately expectations on the floor. They could have done nothing, ignored people's mm-hmm. criticisms, and just kept on going how they were. But they did publicly say hey here are the steps we're taking which a couple months ago when this was all being discussed they weren't really saying specifically what steps they were taking they were taking accountability and saying that hey we recognize people are pointing this out we're going to take steps and now they're saying what those steps are that is 
I think objectively a good thing. It just sucks that it wasn't in place earlier. Right. To read yeah. further from the article, Chris Perkins, senior story designer at Wizards of the Coast and frequent face of D&D, posted a blog as he normally does. He has a lot of blogs up there on November 10th to the D&D Beyond website outlining inclusions, inclusion reviews and how it will improve the company's future releases, which is where this board comes into play. Um, and if you don't know to catch you up a little bit on what we're talking about, this change was necessitated mm -hmm. by the inclusion of two glaring instances of culturally insensitive to explicitly racist material. I can just say it was racist shit uh, printed in the Spelljammers Adventures in Space book earlier this year. Fans and players, especially within the black community, criticized the description of the Simeon Hadozi that trucked in harmful real world beliefs regarding eugenics and slavery. Additionally, artwork of the Hadozi bard closely mirrored historical minstrel shows in the u.s and not just mirrored that like like oh it was the same general idea like it straight up copied minstrel art um same pose and everything it was fucked up and not fucked up we're like hmm, i could probably read into that as racist um as, as a white person going hmm i don't know that doesn't seem right it's like no that is just explicitly bad um and super offensive so the new inclusion review process will affect all future releases, as well as reprints, like the Spelljammer box set. Um, they're reprinting the Spelljammer box set, um, and reprinting is the wrong word. They're editing out those things to put out a fresh batch um, that doesn't include any of those instances. Um, Perkins said neither instance was reviewed by cultural experts. So you don't say. Yeah, <laughs> really? not surprising. Wow. But that like, really there there is a point though. Like you remember when we were talking about this when this first happened, we said they're like if it, it'd be more sad if there were people in the room and they weren't listening yeah. to them. So I guess if you have mm. to look at a positive of this, it means now people will be included, but it sucks that they had to wait until they put out yeah. something this explicitly racist to go, huh, maybe yeah. we should have people of color on these review boards, huh? Yeah. I mean, the, the silver lining here is that hopefully they will have learned their lesson. Hopefully right. they will employ these, you know, marginalized consultants mm -hmm. who will help them mm -hmm. to furthermore look at all of their issues and not just work for you know one single one-off and like actually be involved actively in all the issues that they put out because this won't happen again and they can't have this happen again like i don't know how much money they lost They're, we're probably never going to find out but this is a lot of money and the reputation that they have you know lost so mm -hmm. if they do give a shit they actually have to give a shit in and giving you know marginalized communities and marginalized consultants the chance to actively work with all of the productions that they put out because they put out a lot of content yeah and this and is that's... go ahead Felicia. yeah no and, I, and okay. that's like a good job for them that they get employed by you know wizards of the coast and get to have their impact on these big publications yeah and make a difference mm -hmm. too in it this isn't like like you said this is something that they have to direct because it's going to affect their wallet because as much as you see all those dumb twitter bros like go, uh get woke go broke type bullshit D D is one of those spaces where it it has a diverse community and if you don't continue to service it it will affect your bottom line because yeah. lots of different people play D D. And while there are a lot of shitty old school nerds who are like, oh, they're four white guys in basements, there are way more of us that just want to play D&D &D with our friends, and it's not a safe space for all of our friends. And that makes us mm -hmm. want to go play something else. Like, this was one of the first 
um, outcries I've seen from people going, okay, Terry, what what else can we play, right? Like, Shar, how many times have we talked where, like, the bachelor's like, I just kind of want to play D&D because it's the D&D I know, and we're playing things from the flood here in a few weeks, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, you were like, maybe I should try other games. Like, you didn't, like, we're not going to stop playing D&D ever again, but it was enough of a problem to go, hey, maybe Wizards of the Coast doesn't deserve all of my money and i mean yeah to be fair though we were planning things from the flood before this happened sure sure but like i have had other people you know open to checking out other things like when we like we're starting a new campaign here in a few weeks that it, we did end up going with forgotten realms and i was able to use lots of other supplements from other cool creators uh to support like that new game uh we mentioned the uh ravenloft uh trinkets and treasures book right mm-hmm. um but it was an actual discussion at the table of, well, what system are we open to playing? Whereas in before, it's like, well, of course we're playing D&D. Um, yeah. it, it's opened the discussion to other games, as it should, and there's still room for lots of other games, even if it's not just because they're racist. But is there a better reason than, hey, this game is not racist, we should play it? <laughs> like, I feel like that's a really good reason to check out other games. Um, but I am excited that at least, like you said, they didn't sweep this under the rug. They're addressing it. Maybe D&D will get better from from here on out because as much as the game has sucked in the past and has made lots of, you know, blunders uh, and had other kerfuffles going on, I still like D&D. Maybe not the people mm-hmm. making it every single time. Maybe not the products they put out. But Dungeons & Dragons itself as a concept can live past problematic creators as we've seen with like TSR. It can move past it and exist beyond it and can improve because it means so much to so many different kinds of people if we don't let it die it doesn't have to die right you don't have to give yeah. up on D to make it yeah. better but it is it's, significantly harder to do if the companies creating it don't help it's almost like not quite but adjacent to the separating the art from the artist kind sure, of thing like sure. you can appreciate the mechanics and you can appreciate the really because i look at D as more of a storytelling device and to like it is a game but i also look at it on another level as like a storytelling device 100%. and you can still look at it like that and tell the stories you want to tell using this tool set without supporting anybody like supporting spelljammer like don't give them money on spelljammer until they fix it if you still want to play spelljammer after they fixed it and put your money where your mouth is and be like, listen, I don't like what you did with the original Spelljammer, but I want to support you making the changes and buy the new Spelljammer reprints so that, you know, it's, it's showing them, you know, the capitalistic way of putting your money where your mouth is like, go for it. But also you could just ignore that this even exists and just use the supplements that aren't as problematic and use the, use the tool set that you've, you've come to know and possibly enjoy because i've never really used supplements so honestly this doesn't affect me all that much it just gives me you know a different perspective of just like well let's we gotta we still gotta look at D with a critical eye i was doing that anyway but i'll do it even more now right and like you um, said like ignoring can be dangerous if you do it in like a bad way you're like oh like i don't worry about the politically inc- incorrect stuff that hasbro does like no that's not what you mean by ignoring right no. like just like no. you don't need to buy that product i don't um, need to give them my money because i don't really give them my money for supplements anyway i give them my money usually for rule books mm-hmm, but i don't mm-hmm. usually buy um adventures or anything really right. so but i i mean i might consider buying the new spell jammer just to say like yes i like what you did to fix this right that's things like but, you know support with the wallet i i don't know yeah. 
I don't I like just from like the critical point past like uh like how problematic the last book was, I still wouldn't say the Spelljammer book is worth your money. Um as a first new played spell. I've also heard that it's just not very good mechanically. <laughs> it, it's not very good mechanically. They left out a lot of the stuff that made yeah. the original one good mechanically. Um, mm -hmm. and a lot of the cool points of it, um, I can link if people are interested, uh, you know, shout out in the comments or over on Patreon or email all the places we've listed to contact us. Let me know if you're interested. I can cover, maybe we can do a whole other GM episode on where else to find other things. If you want to run a spell jammer or spell jammer adjacent game in D and D there's way other, I, in my, my opinion, just better products out there and sometimes just free places to allow your players to get on a ship and go to space in D and D because this new book ain't it chief. All right. Like it just, it is not good. Right. Um, and it's not even as good as the original. And actually I felt bad. Uh, a buddy of mine was like, well, I know the new book is problematic and you told me it wasn't very good. Like, what should I buy? And they were like, should I go hunt down the old spell jammer books? And I gave them mine, but I was like, this, it still has problematic shit in there. The I, was rules say, are better. Like, I was about to say like, uh, the rules there, are better. I mean, and listen, I listen. I covered literally one book in like a series of five of the original Spelljammer, and we yeah, found too many things fun. that we couldn't even fit it into one episode. Of no, how exactly. Like, and like, even if you, you go way, way, way back, like the Hadozi actually came from a different setting that they worse. eventually brought into Spelljammer, but worse. it was way worse. Exactly. Um, and like, that's why I feel like coming towards these situations, and I don't know, Lissa, if you feel the same way, but because the two of us have just done so much research on old D&D, &D, it kind of gives me a soft spot for the new D&D. &D. And I know that they make mistakes. And I admit my bias and like, I really love 5e and I love what they're doing with 5e. But it used to be so much worse. Right. And it used to alienate so many people from like the rhetoric to just like the, the art that they used every single aspect of like one and two e i would argue is just pushing so many groups of people away and fifth edition has done so much to bring people in and i would argue since 3.5 they've been doing this third ever since wizards really gotta yeah gotta you get a bigger co been, corporation going yeah. hey we should have you know more oversight <laughs> they, over it yeah so they've been doing it for a really long time and they've done a really good job at it so far and like no company is perfect they're gonna screw up they obviously screwed up big time but i'm still rooting for them because it's still leagues better than how the material used to be handled and how flat out sexist and racist and ableist that it used to be so yeah i don't want to undermine people's feelings about this whatever you feel about the situation is a hundred percent valid but I always look at it from like a step further perspective, like seeing the history of it. I'm just like, man, like I'm really glad people are pointing this out. But just imagine if TSR still had their hands on this, like sure. it would have been even worse. And like, right. But in like acknowledging that the bars on the floor is good, right? Like it, it, we can appreciate yeah. how far it's come while still going. It's not done yet, right? No, like, it's not done. Not they the still station. have a lot of work to do. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's to a point of privilege for us right like we're a bunch of white people on a podcast we can go man look at how far we come we're not the ones still being actively fought against yeah with the game I, itself right so it's like on the one hand what charity said but on the other hand it's completely valid if you come from a background of like well you're still rooting for this thing that like started off being terrible and they're still trying to work on it and like when will they realize that like there's all these problems that keep coming up it's completely valid to just be like, what if I play a game that never had any of this? Like, right. what if I play something that was created by marginalized communities 
that was, you know, and they started from the bottom. They built the foundation that has, you know, less problems or no problems at all and that is doing something completely different and that's valid. You know, like you can completely be and think that and then go support anything else, mm -hmm. uh, whether that's Pathfinder, whether that's, you know, something completely different like uh indie ttrpgs or so many of them. something else there's so much in the ttrpg industries that just because we're focusing here on talking about D, &D and its problems like you can just ignore D, &D. like yes mm -hmm. it's a big thing yes a lot of people like it but it's not the only thing out there and there's so many games that you can just put a dungeon and a dragon in like there's so many of That's them true. Right, guys exactly. like you can get a magic yeah. sword and it is also plus one. And you can roll D20s and you don't have to be mm -hmm. playing D&D. That's no reason to leave it at 100% behind. It's always going to be part of the conversation, I feel. And like Char said, it's going to get better. And I want it to get better for the people that don't know there's so many other games. But it's yeah, a good opportunity a, to check out other stuff. It's That's also worth pointing out is that D&D &D basically invented this entire genre. It's been around the longest, which means it has the most problems, in my opinion. From what I've seen, I haven't like branched out my research into other. Um, We've talked about Legend of the Five Rings stuff. a little bit. You've heard me and Lissa rant a little bit about yeah. um, uh, Asian-inspired games, which uh, get into the Orientalism of it all. Yeah, um, that's yeah. that's a game that, that or that's a a type of problem that is, I would say, similarly prolific. Again, a yeah. lot of white dudes who want to be samurai. A lot of white dudes. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, a lot of like... white dudes who are writing stuff that maybe they <laughs> shouldn't or that they should, you know, like, um, get cultural consultants on. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. I would say that those are, those are a, that's another issue that you see with a lot of other games, too. It, it also happened in D&D. Don't let me leave D&D out of yeah. it. D&D has the same yeah. issue. But it, that issue also exists in a lot of other games. Um, so, you know. Check out some other ones. I, I hate saying do your own research because it's got that Facebook connotation now. But it seriously, like, look into some other games. The really cool thing about the indie RPG space now is that there's a game for everything. Like, specific games. Like, I, I don't love Powered by the Apocalypse, but you could head right on over to Powered by the Apocalypse and you can see a game for every fucking day of the week. Uh, wh whatever weird idea you have, I promise someone has made a dice system for you to roll it with. Um, so it it's just worth looking and check it out. Use it as an opportunity. See what else is out there. Um, and also, like you said, you don't have to give your money to D&D. D&D is so open source, literally, right? Like you can get the license and just make your own, you know, D20 system. Um, but you don't need to buy any of their shitty products to love D&D. Like you said, Shari, you can love D&D beyond Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro. A lot of what mm -hmm. we talk about here is like, maybe we shouldn't support this product, but you can play D&D without supporting Wizards. It's very easy to do. Let me send you okay. some sheets. There's a whole system. Um, the old school role-playing system, I believe is what it's ca called. Um, OSRS, uh, DCC is another one. Um, there's whole systems that are like, hey, you like D20, but not giving big corporations money? Uh, here's this thing. It's basically <laughs> like 3.5 dumbed down to a single character sheet. Um, think, don't they also have the basic rule set of 5e online for literally anybody 100%. to use without paying for it? That's as the well. open so source license, yeah. 
Yeah. If you still want to play D&D and you don't want to give them your money, there is a PDF out there that has the very basic rule set of what to roll and, you know, how combat works and stuff. That's all available for free. And so not you just can run a game and play in a game and, and not, not just play anything. it like you can make your own with it. It's completely free and it's not just 5e either. You can go all the way back to uh, 3.5 and use any of those rule sets for basically for free um to create your own game to run your own stuff it's all super available and that's one of the good things that they've done with the money right is mm -hmm. um allowed you to do do what you will without a lot of racism right like you can put your own shit in the game and like you said start from scratch basically so you have lots of options mm -hmm. um it still sucks that that product came out and they can't reverse it i'm glad to see they're no. taking steps to go yeah. past it but uh do we have any other final words before we move on Mm, nope hoping <laughs> no. for the best expecting the worst right right um but uh, i guess my final word is honestly don't buy that book like i said like you can find those rules out there like you can get a spaceship that goes to space one of my uh one of my buddies was like i kind of want to run Spelljammer, but it fucking sucks right like what do we do mm -hmm. and i was like let's sit down and talk about it buddy because we don't need to buy that crappy book to mm -hmm. make my D, D guy with my plus one sword go to space so many other options out there so don't limit yourself moving on uh back to our bullshit Charday, what are you doing that is not D, D related this week i have started playing pillars of eternity 2 dead fire because it was on it's on game pass and i played the first game forever ago and now i'm finally playing the second one i'm playing it on console so the loading times are a bit iffy but i really like the game so far and it has ship mechanics which are very scary because i feel like <laughs> i'm gonna kill my entire crew um but it's fine it's a learning curve <laughs> uh it, that comes from obsidian right which also has super yes. deep ties to old 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 D D. yeah like they've the done creators. fallout new vegas they have pillars of eternity they have uh oh man i feel like i was just looking into another game that they had that i didn't realize that they had but it is oh um outer worlds outer worlds they just released pentiment um, and they go way back, and the, the even Pillars of Eternity as like a thing has uh, people from the original Baldur's Gate working on it, and mm -hmm. there's it was a, a Kickstarter. Yeah, like it it has a lot of connections to D and D. So if you like that or CRPGs, definitely check out Pillars of Eternity one and now it's so two. Good. It's so good. Like definitely, definitely worth doing. Um, Lisa, what about you? What are you doing right lately? I am still playing through Horizon Zero Dawn. I just oh. got... Because last time I think I brought it up mm -hmm. at some point. Um, we haven't done this segment in a long time because there's been so much news. Yeah, I w I've just gotten through like the tutorial, I think, or something. Um, but now I'm actually more into the game and I'm getting more anxious because it's <laughs> getting more levels and more <laughs> difficult and I'm actually getting into the actual story. But it's very, very... <laughs> good i like the story it's weird hearing you play like a big open world triple a game because normally you're like i played this like one smaller rpg on pc and now you're like the biggest giant actionist game that you can I do know, it's huge <laughs> like i looked at the map and it get, like it's so big and i see like all the areas that i haven't covered because it's like covered in fog and i'm just like <laughs> and are I, you I'm... 
have you ever played a game that big before do you think you're gonna be a person who's like me and gets distracted by literally everything or are you going to be some a normal person who actually does the story (laughs) oh no i get distracted by things and then i go on like random adventures into the world and (laughs) get distracted by other things and then i realize oh i should have done that in that other place and i go back and i just keep (laughs) riding around on my little horsey that you can get um which is amazing because that's all i want in life is to ride a horse um i mean there's so many games you can do that with have you checked out witcher 3 i have not i Yeah, I've watched you play it, but I, because this is like the first game that as an adult that I've played on a console. So the last time I had a console, well, okay, no, I, that is the first game that I played alone on a console. That is, because I played Borderlands 1 with my sister. We still haven't finished playing. Yeah, and that's wow. The, that's and then a before flashback. that, like 2007? <laughs> yeah, so before that, I, basically had a ps1 wow wow so that was my childhood i mean you missed a lot but if you had to pick a few things like ps1 borderlands and then horizon like that's not a bad list right like that's not a yeah so so yeah i'm i'm slowly working my way into playing games on consoles and then decided to for whatever reason start with horizon zero dawn and this is me coming out of my box be like very t- tentatively like testing the waters mm. i mean that's a, that's such a big one to test with like the one i always recommend to people if you're like i want to get into triple a gaming but i don't know if i want to do the gigantic assassin's creed map type thing i always give them like uncharted or something that's level based still where it's like oh it's big and it's actiony but you just go to level one and then level two you know <laughs> like you don't get lost you're like i fought i ran into this area i wasn't supposed to be in and a giant robot dinosaur stepped on my head uh and i ran out of arrows and i mean and aloy keeps crying and i don't know why <laughs> the benefit the benefit of this game i will say is that it tells you the level that each quest you're doing i sure. love when games do that Thank and God. you have yeah. you have your own level um mm-hmm. i don't know if that's on like all difficulties but the difficulty i have it on and so I can make sure that I am like a slightly higher level when I go to do that <laughs> certain quest so that I know that I will definitely succeed because otherwise I just have anxiety and I'm like run away. I mean that that yeah. is the like the anxiety of like an open world game, right? And some of them use that as like what I think to a positive, but I could see it being menacing. Like you play Witcher and if something's higher level than you, it'll be like red above their head. But mm-hmm. if it's like oh they'll kill you in one shot, there's just a skull above them. So, like, yep. you go into the wrong area and you see a dragon with a skull above your head. You're like, oh, fuck, I should not have come here. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, the first game that I ever played that had that, like, skull leveling system was The Witcher 3. Before uh-huh. that, any open world RPG I played did not have that. So I would play, like, Fallout 4 and I would wander into an area that was way above my level. Right. And just get annihilated and traumatized. So when I realized the games could, in fact, tell you what areas were what level and what level 
a certain quest was. So I knew, okay, avoid that at all costs until I'm at least 10 levels above it. Got it. Like, like when you think of like Morrowind, right? Like you just nice. wander into a swamp and there's a vampire. It's like, how come people didn't tell me that this shit would eat me? Like, I didn't know I couldn't just fight this orc. Like, I, what level do I need to be? Oh, there aren't levels? What the fuck is this game? You know? Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's, it's at least you're having that experience. Um, I was having similar things. I was playing God of War Ragnarok this week. Um, oh yeah, that just came out. Just came out it's as good as i had hoped it to be if you like god of war 2018 play ragnarok it's just more and bigger in a good way it's fucking awesome normally in my life experience i would have beaten it by now but i had so many deadlines the last two weeks i've probably only played maybe 10 hours of it um and mm-hmm. i'd say to like completionist it the first one took me about 40 hours um this one's probably gonna take you a similar amount of time if you play at a normal human speed i think could probably beat the story in 20-ish hours with six or seven for the extras um so if you're like me and a dad 60 hours uh but uh really really good really emotional even if you don't have children like uh the story of kratos and boy uh super heartfelt and really really cool way too real sometimes um but the the highlight that people didn't talk about as much from 2018 were the side characters and they've only introduced like more amazing side characters they get into more of the norse pantheon with thor and odin i don't want to spoil anything but they're the actors and actresses that they've portrayed in this game are so cool and different takes right this isn't just you know more of uh, Chris Hemsworth Thor. This is a very different vibe. Same thing with Odin. Ways that I haven't even even remotely seen in other uh, portrayals of the mythology. Like, they really do their own thing. And at the same time, it's very accurate to Norse mythology. At least a version of it, right? Because there's many different versions of Norse mythology. But it's really cr- close to, like, if you've read any, like, the Prozetta or any of the mythology that we actually pull our ideas of Norse myth from. Um, it's really accurate and really close to that. And so it's just impressive on a million different ways. Super polished. I Sometimes I just stare at the game where I'm like, how is it this good? It only took them mm. five years to make it, and it just blows my mind. Um, so, yeah, highly recommend God of War Ragnarok. Don't play it if you haven't played God of War 2018. I have a few friends that are doing that, and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, <laughs> you monsters and heathens. Like, I'm pretty sure God of War 2018 is, like, free, too. Like, if you have PlayStation Plus, like, you can just download it and play it. Like, go do that. Um, you fucking monsters. <laughs> no judgment, but like fucking monsters. No judgment. I'm mad about it. They're like, I didn't, like, they kept asking me, like, I, this wasn't in the recap. What are they talking about here? I'm like, yeah, it wasn't in the recap. Go fucking play this whole other game. Uh, you don't have to God play all. It's also like a huge franchise, too, right? Yeah, like, but you don't have to go and game. play the other, the other games from like PS2 and PS3. You can watch a pretty good recap video and get everything you need to do. Um, there's a good 30 minute right. recap. all i know about the early god of war games is that there are many things with prostitutes no (laughs) like women no oh there's lots of things with women prostitutes there's one part in the very first game where you can go into an area and you can sleep with them and instead of you paying them they pay you with orbs that you use to level up if you sleep with them um what yeah yeah you get the orbs i don't know maybe kratos is like the the podrick of the i was gonna say it's it's almost like podrick of game of thrones like so good like they pay him yeah there's a lot of fucked up stuff like that but there's there's only like prostitutes in that one portion of the game okay they still don't age as well and that's why i recommend just watching the recap and getting all the story stuff because they're also that 
Devil May Cry style of really, this is just really a through line to get us to the next fight. The stories are cool, mm. but not by comparison. And 2018 really changed the game and brought Pathos to the entire like series and was just in my opinion yeah, better yeah. better written better well-rounded like it's just a, a overall better package so you can watch because that stuff is canon to the game right but it's not mm -hmm. as important so you can watch a recap of that whereas in 2018 changed everything and is integral to ragnarok so if you just jump in mm -hmm. with ragnarok you're gonna miss because they're it's kind of like last of us part one and part two i know you two haven't played those but i also recommend it's really just a continuation of the story. Like, if yeah. they could have done this all as one game, you could totally play them back to back. Well, at least, like, with part one and part two, like, Last of Us and then Last of Us part two, you can tell that it's, like, it's, one. You it's in the title, one. right? It's, it's literally in the title. So I feel like maybe some people were genuinely confused and genuinely thought they didn't have to play the other game just because the title in, implied that they didn't have to <laughs> yeah because some people play games still the same way we did in the 90s just like i got the new nintendo i bought the new thing and it, yeah. it blows me blows my mind because the hobby itself has grown so much you know further past mm -hmm. that and there are like there's like whole you know there's video game wonks where it's like the only thing we do is study video games and what's going on in the industry and there's still people who are like i don't know i bought the new playstation game god of war <laughs> and like i don't understand <laughs> what's happening and when i get those messages and I'm like, oh, I just, I don't even know where to start with you. <laughs> like, how dare you? <laughs> but how also, long I do you have? <laughs> exactly. That's like, uh, usually it's before the purchase too. They're like, should I pick this up? And I'm like, no, like, don't pick up Metal Gear Solid 5. You're going to be extremely confused on what Metal Gear Solid is. Uh, oh, that's a bad example. You could probably play Metal Gear Solid 5 without playing the other ones. But like, it's still overall, sometimes it's just the new Call of Duty. You don't need to play the other 45 Call of Duties. Mm. You just play the new Call of Duty. God of War Ragnarok is like watching uh, an MCU movie. Or like, I guess you could you could play it without playing all the other ones. You could watch Black Panther Wakanda Forever and from context understand who the Black Panther is, what Wakanda is, and that Captain America exists in this world. Sure. But, stares pointedly at Lissa, who yes. watched the two Avengers movies without watching <sighs> like any of the previous ones. My buddy Joel listen, was like, what do listen. I need to watch? So we're going to go to see Black Panther, uh, Wakanda Forever. I bought tickets. And I was like, what do you mean? What do you have to watch? And they said, well, which movies out of like the MCU? So I was like, all of them. What the fuck is this? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> it's so intimidating now. Like getting into There's the MCU lot, right? now is there. It's so overwhelming. Like I'm not all caught up and I have no intent of getting all caught up anytime soon because I'm so overwhelmed by it. But you don't have I've to be overwhelmed. You don't even have up. to think about it. You go to Disney Plus and you click on the last one you've seen and it just keeps playing yeah. them. You can watch all of the MCU with one button. Listen, but it's funnier to go to watch the Avengers <laughs> <laughs> movies and seeing, okay, this is maybe a bit, little bit of a spoiler, and seeing Spider-Man doing a dramatic scene with Iron Man and not giving a shit about it because you don't know who he is. I didn't give a shit about it either. The last Spider-Man you watched was Tobey Maguire, so... I hate all of you for many levels, mostly because I love Spider-Man more than most things. Life. Yeah, end, end of sentence. <laughs> Like, maybe not my wife and children, but it's close. Uh, definitely, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely in the running. I fucking love Spider-Man. My son is named after the clone of Spider-Man. <laughs> like, that's a, like that's just, like, there's no two ways about it. Like, that's, that is on purpose. Um, but there is, like, the only thing, and the nerds try to act like this isn't the case, but I'm going to give you the tea right now. 
the only thing we love more than talking about like things like the mcu and comic book stuff with our friends who also love those things is when someone genuinely wants to have their gaps filled in for those so when i go to a movie and my buddy says hey what else do i need to watch and they haven't watched any of them and they go well can you catch me up you want to be mad and you want to fake the outrage but you just get to let us spew about what happened in the last 45 fucking mcu movies so if you don't want to be annoyed by us going oh my god you haven't seen it just ask just say hey what did i miss because they're gonna pretend to be mad but really we're having the time of our life going okay and then the other spider-man showed up and they came through portals and they're gonna team up with with a tom holland spider-man and uh venom is there they shouldn't be but they're there and and you just you, we just get to blow up there's nothing more special than oh that. yeah uh lissa you need to watch no way home you'll love it it's so fucking good it, it, you, I, even if you like toby mcguire it's fine he's there i was gonna say toby mcguire is in that movie so is Andrew Spider-Man. Garfield. Spoilers. Yeah. So, I, I mean, like, I've you heard that they put all three of them in there. It was like... fun. I think it was better than Endgame. <laughs> it was. It's up there for me. I just. I, I like it. I. It's hard for me to say that it was better than Endgame, just because there's a few moments in there that I I can cry about, just like thinking about, and the culmination of all those movies. That moment when Cap gets the hammer, and it calls it back. Like, there's there hasn't been an experience for me with another film. Other than maybe when Spider-Man shows up in the MCU and he, like, webs Cap's shield in Civil War. But No Way Home is close seeing all three of them fighting Green Goblin. That was a really cool thing. And uh, giving the speeches about Uncle Ben and stuff there. Like, that stuff is still so amazing to me, being a Spider-Man fan. And getting to see that happen on the big screen that I've read so many... Like, it happens in comics all the time, the Spider-Man interact. But seeing it happen mm-hmm. is really cool. But it's hard for me to say, is it better than the game? I'm like, I don't know. That hammer moment that yeah. they've been building for, like, 30 movies is pretty fucking cool. I mean, one one cool moment in an entire movie doesn't make the entire movie for me. But I can understand why it makes I, it. I, it no, cool. I would say that. That movie has many cool moments, right? Endgame has a lot of cool things like that. But I would say that one cool moment normally doesn't make an entire movie. But with how much I like the MCU and their version of things and comic books in general and how much they built up and how well they earned that moment, it's more than just a moment for me, right? It's like they did everything over all those movies and they finally gave me the thing. Because that's happened in comic books before. Captain America's picked up Mjolnir a couple times. It, mm-hmm. None of them feel even remotely, even like one iota as cool as when he does it in the movie. And not just because it's a movie. It's like they earned it over all of those years. Whereas when he does it in the comic books, it's like, all right, that's kind of cool. This story kind of sucked. So like, I guess it's cool that he picks up the hammer now. But Endgame was awesome and he picked up the hammer, right? Have you done a Right in the Feels episode just all about the MCU? Because if you haven't, you need to. I should. I should, right? Like, I'm, I'm over here going, no, but when he picks up the hammer. I was going to say, this like, sounds <laughs> like you have things. And listen, I, I mean, I can't see any of your faces right now, but I'm just smiling and nodding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy that it makes you so happy, right. but like I don't know nearly as much. So I'm just like, you just keep going off, honey. <laughs> I mean, that is a part of the fun of writing the feels, right? But that's something that yeah. I like about the MCU is it grows and grows. It's only been good for me. I, I there are movies I don't like as much as the other ones, and there are movies I think just in general, I'm like they're bad films, but they're still somewhat fun in the canon of the whole yeah. thing. Um, 
but as it grows and grows i do worry because i've always disagreed like oh the bubble's gonna burst on superhero movies no i think they're kind of inexplicably tied to cinema now like they're the only reason why 100 percent cinemas are still open to a certain extent so i don't think they're gonna go away however like you said it is starting to get a little daunting because before it's like well dude just click on the thing you can watch all of them yes but now there's tv shows involved yeah, I was um, gonna say there's TV shows, there's mini series. Yeah, now they have, they're it's just introducing those made-for-TV movie specials, and I think yeah. it's not gonna be the same where everybody watches all of them because it's never been that everyone watches all of them. They watch most of them, right, or whichever ones they need leading up to it. But now I think we're gonna get to the point where it's similar to comics, where I just watch the ones with Black Panther in it because Black Panther's my guy, so I watch that one. I think we're gonna yeah. get closer to that thing. Like they just did uh, the Werewolf by Night special with, uh, you know, it's got werewolves. It's in the fucking name, right? No spoilers there. Um, but it's very supernatural. It's very schlocky. It's a really good product, even if you don't like MCU stuff, which you really don't need to to appreciate Werewolf by Night. It's a really cool Halloween creepy special about werewolves and, and monster hunters. Um, but I, I I don't think I could sell that to most people who like MCU things, right? So I think we're going to get closer and closer. We're like, we're making products for a niche group. So I don't know if the MCU is ever going to be, oh, we all watched Endgame together again because I don't know. I know a lot of people that didn't go see the new Thor movie. They're like, I don't know. I, don't really I give a shit about watched it Thor. when it was on Disney Plus. Only because I had a friend literally message me saying, hey, have you seen this? And I said, no. And they said, let me know when you do. I have thoughts. And I'm just like, ooh, there's tea. All right. And I watched it. And then we <laughs> talked for like an hour about how much we didn't like it. Yeah, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's a bad film. I, I wouldn't say it's nearly as good as Ragnarok, which was the Thor no, movie before. No, it's 100% before. not as good. But, I love uh, Taika Waititi, but there are some weird things in Love and Thunder that I'm like, this doesn't make it any just, sense. It, uh, All right, it, go there, It felt a little phoned in. I think is if, like the best way I yeah. could probably critique it. Whereas like, I feel like they didn't put nearly as much time and effort Love. into this one. Yeah, exactly. Or thunder um, yeah, into or thunder. it. Although I think it, no, it's weird. I think they brought the thunder. I don't think <laughs> <laughs> they didn't bring the love and it was a romantic yeah. comedy. That seems like that's really the movie they were trying to make. Um, yeah, but it was not that. <laughs> but I, but here's the thing. I think Sorry, it guys. is the most romantic comedy you could get. Cause think about how mid so many romantic comedies are. Right? So, like, it's like a meta take on it. <laughs> As a romantic comedy stan, how fucking dare you? <laughs> no, there's lots of great ones, but there's a lot more mid ones. What's your yeah. favorite romantic comedy? When Harry Met Sally. Okay, that you're setting the bar way too high. That movie is perfect. <laughs> That's I'm one not, of my though. favorite movies of all time. Almost it's every Rob Reiner filmer is a 10 out of 10 for me. Like, Rob Reiner can do no wrong. But When Harry Met Sally is literally one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, um, I love When Harry Met Sally. What's your I favorite could... lower than When Harry Met Sally? Um, I Anything with Ryan Reynolds in it, actually, I really like. I know they're not the best rom-coms, but, like, Ryan Reynolds and rom-coms is peak <laughs> for me. I think they're great. Sure, but like, let's talk like the proposal, for instance. I wouldn't say the proposal is a terrible film. I'd say it's about mid, which is how I feel about love, uh, love and thunder, right? Like as a romantic comedy, eh, it's it's fine. There's not enough romance or comedy in it to qualify it yeah. to be on that level. But I'd say like if we're joking about the meta midness of it, I think it's like okay, they captured that. What about like failure to launch? I've never seen Failure to Launch. It's on par with Failure to Launch. There, there's some really good Bradley Cooper moments in that film. but uh, Bradley uh, Cooper's in that? Yes, he is. 
He's a supporting oh, wow. actor in the movie Failure to Launch. So you don't know Rocket Raccoon was doing stuff before. <laughs> uh, he was in Failure to Launch with Matthew McConaughey and the lady from Sex and the City. I can't think of her name at the moment. Sarah Jessica Parker. That's what I said. Uh, she is yep. also in it. But like any any romantic comedy with J Lo in it, right? Like it's I would say it's yeah, all those are that. bottom of the barrel for me. I don't like those ones. And there you go. I don't really know why. And that's what I'm saying. I think Lo- Love and Thunder is just as good, if not better, than those films. Um, but well, now we also need a Right in the Fields episode about rom coms. I think we've done a few, but you should come on and we can talk about some of your favorites, and we can fill you in on the Bradley Cooper of it all the bradley cooper of it all all right sure. <laughs> he's a very interesting character i picked failure to launch like oh it's a mid movie i'm like now i think about it i'm like that's not a bad film like, i had fun most <laughs> <laughs> rom-coms are good like listen no you can't say most rom-coms are good that is not a statement i yeah. can let stand no yeah. no lissa help yeah. me out here most rom-coms are good uh, you're talking to somebody who doesn't watch rom-coms exactly. whatsoever. You so can't say most are I, good. Yeah, I, I don't I don't agree that's, with that statement. It's no. so like general. You can, yeah, like you can rom-coms. like rom-coms. That's not the same that doesn't thing. Mean they're good. Thank you. I like I like <laughs> superhero movies. I can't say most are good. Have you ever seen Batman versus Superman? I'm sorry, just, Batman v I Superman? Have. Just because you fall for chick flick romance doesn't mean it makes it a good story. Like I never I'm said sorry. they were I just I never said they were good, full stop. I just said I You did! Batman. You know you did say you said most were good. Don't you try to gaslight us, you son of a bitch. We got you on the record. <laughs> They're good for me. I enjoy rom coms, so I'll enjoy them. Yes, that's different. That we can one hundred percent agree. Yeah, but you to. said they were good. It so, was the yeah, blanket statement of most are good we're like hold on hold on hold on because netflix and hallmark channel put them out once a week so those don't count oh how i, I know those, those. Count. those I, don't why, count you don't get to decide what counts here i do yeah i'm, <laughs> I I'm the rom-com expert now because you guys have terrible opinions you on can't rom-com. be the expert you've never seen failure to launch yeah, but my favorite is when Harry met Sally. So obviously, I am. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's I it is great. Days. I'm like, I, I has no found foundation for this statement. So um, <laughs> yeah, but that's you not new. You don't rom coms. You shouldn't even be in this conversation. Shut up. She's on my side. Sure, you shut your mouth. <laughs> no, 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 no. Absolutely not. It's like asking her Marvel opinions. She has barely seen any of the movies. Like, but hello? you saw Werewolf by Night, right? Right, Lissa. Nope. But you're a slut for gothic horror, are you not? Yes, I would. A... That would be one that I would watch. Anything with vampires, werewolves, or supernatural, spooky. It's got all that. of the above. I recommend Werewolf by Night. It's it's short too. It's only like an hour, um, and it's a special presentation they call it, and it has a lot of vibes of like the classic like uh, monster movies. A lot of like black and white stuff. It's it is it's Ooh. very very good. It still has that, that Marvel vibe a little bit. Like people are witty and whatnot. Like uh, no. not Whedon esque, but still has that. People are making quips and shit. But it's spooky, and there's really good effects, and they do the old school like werewolf stuff, like think more along the lines of like Buffy, where it's all like makeup based. Ooh, yeah. You have me. You have me interested. I am intrigued. I was really impressed, and I was really worried I was going to be let down because werewolves are one of my other favorite things. I'm a slut for werewolves. I wouldn't say gothic horror in general, but for werewolves, and they nailed it. It's very good. So I highly recommend that. I played God of War. Uh, we should probably stop talking now because we've now been yelling and ranting <laughs> about rom-coms and Marvel for 17 minutes. Oops. 
yeah oops this is like when we were trying to decide how long our books and bitches episode is going to be and you're like we're not getting out of there in an hour terry <laughs> like it's nope, not we're not we're not terry it's not gonna work you can you can you can try to make it work but it's my show so um no <laughs> that's fair though like, you get the veto of it all you but you have to have to schedule us so uh figure that one out um all of that being said thank you so much for listening if you want to find me on twitter i'm at resident evil Shar, where can the people online follow you they can find me as the best half of the Slovenly Trolls podcast where we talk about D&D and feminism and all that fun stuff. And I run the Slovenly Trolls Twitter, even though Twitter's burning down. We're still there um, at Slovenly Trolls. They're watching the blaze, man. Just watching the blaze. Lisa, where can the people find you online? I am the bester uh, half of the Slovenly <laughs> Trolls podcast. <laughs> That's the word. Yep. <laughs> and I am I run the Instagram account for the Slovenly Trolls at Slovenly Trolls. We are still there. The it is currently I I don't know if it's burning down. Instagram has been floating for the past few years. <laughs> Whatever that means. Um yeah, that's where I am. Perfect. Yeah, so you can follow us all at, at Cave Trolls Pod. You can follow the entire company over at campykillcreations.com where we post all of our free stuff if you want to support us financially head on over to patreon.com slash campykillcreations lots of bonus content like we mentioned before early content if you want to contact us specifically campykillcreations at gmail.com or the aforementioned twitter we're there you can find us do it you cowards um this has been the cave trolls and we're out Okay, now comes that special time of the podcast where we get to thank our Patreon producers. You keep the lights on, you keep the mics rolling, and really you make it possible to do all of this. We want to give a special shout-out thank you to the Lorax, who gets two special shout-outs because I also thank you for speaking for the trees. We also have Jeremy Raymond. Raymond, thank you. Trellbot, the Highlander, thank you so much for being our first one and only and then now in a group of four, but still thank you for being a Patreon producer. And finally, Kim Winson, thank you so much for being our Patreon producers. We appreciate you and we owe everything we do to people like you. Um, I was trying to sound like the PBS thing, you know, paid for by viewers like you. I don't think I can quite pull it off. I haven't been watching enough Sesame Street lately, so that's what I'm going to go work on now. Mm -hmm.